Winnie, I'm glad you said you could be a hope partner from 3 to 80. I must be the 80-year-old. <laughs> or at least sometimes I feel like that. Um, and you know why I like being a hope partner? <laughs> because I can mix with young people. <laughs> feel younger. But not only that, we're family together, making a difference in our community. And commitment is something that is hard come by these days. We don't see a lot of it, but I'm in for another year. That's all we ask, for another year. I'm in for it. You too? Well, we're doing authority. I think we should pray to the greatest authority first. Spirit of the living God, come among us tonight. Speak so that we may hear and obey. May we see you in your glory and in your power and in the love that you have for each of us so that we can walk well with you. Amen. I have discovered that social media, the advertisements, TV, is all about me. Did you know there's a me bank? Did you know there's an us bank? I don't belong to either of them, by the way. But it seems that this day and age, we are more concerned about me and my rights and my power and my authority and blow you and you and you. I don't need you in my life. That is basically what is being said in our world today. And it's the biggest lie the devil can make on your life and my life. I need you, and believe it or not, you need me. <laughs> you may not know it. <laughs> you may not see much of me, but we need each other in this world. That's how God made us. Now, the lie goes right back to the beginning of time. I don't know how long after the world was created. I don't know how long Adam and Eve were there enjoying truth and grace, and righteousness, and love, and beauty, and creation, and everything that was good. I have no idea. But there was a devil in the form of a snake who came and said, if you actually do what God said not to do, you'll have authority over your own life. And so they decided that it was better to obey someone that pampered to their self-knowledge and their authority and power so that they could be like God. And consequently, since that day, we've all had issues with control, authority, and power. Is that right? All of us. Now, part of it is because God made us to look after, to rule, to be in charge of, to be stewards in this world of his creation. So we were made like that. But the desire to go our own way and not under the authority and power of God, it means we muck it up. And so my power and authority becomes all about me and my way and what I want. 
And if I love you well enough, occasionally I might want what's best for you too. But not always if it crosses me. So we got it there? It's a me world. And we know why it's a me world. Now, Lucas, I was really pleased with what you shared, wherever you are. <laughs> Thank you very much. What I loved about that story was the wisdom of authority coming and chatting and leaving decision. Did you pick that up? No, I didn't have parents like that. Did you? I didn't have parents like that. Not at all. Some of you had Christian parents, healthy parents. I grew up in a very dysfunctional family, extremely dysfunctional, absent father, five brothers, no sisters. I can play cricket and football, and that was about it. I knew how to play cards. I knew how to cheat. I knew how to do lots of things. I knew how to get my own way. But I had a very absent father. And I later discovered that he was a bigamist. Now, that's pretty big for a person to discover about their own father. Now, I was thinking about this most of my life, up until my late 20s, I lived in shame, okay? And I was wondering, is shame disrespect? Now, I don't know the full answer to that. I'm not really sure whether I respect it or not. The truth was, as a teenager, I came to know Jesus as my God and my Lord and my Master, and I used to pray, even though I probably saw my father about twice a year. He didn't provide for us, he didn't look out for us, but I didn't stop believing that God would change his heart. But I was ashamed. And uh, later on, I had some chats with people who helped me work through forgiveness for my father. Now, I, I don't usually tell the story of my family, but I wanted you to know tonight that regardless whether you have beautiful parents like Lucas, who are human and sometimes get it wrong, but don't tell them I said that, okay? It's all right, Bronte. They're human. It's all right. It's all right. Uh, they're beautiful. And you may have parents that look out for you, love you, and care greatly for you. But sometimes they can muck up too. Is that right? Is that right, Winnie? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is that right, Steve? That's correct. Okay. I have to ask the parents, you see. But where does respect and honour and our attitude to that authority come? Is it right to disrespect a father like I had. No. The person who suffers is me. The prayer that Jesus taught his disciples was, forgive others as I have forgiven you. Now, I haven't told many stories about my father publicly, never I don't think, because I respect too much our, fa our family. But I thought it was important tonight to go there because regardless of who or what happens, we are called to honour and respect parents. 
And it's beautiful if there is decision-making and care instead of having to fight your way through life. But praise God, he is here for you right now. So regardless of the background, you too can know freedom and delight and joy, not be ashamed, because Jesus makes you into, brings you into the family of God. And there is love and acceptance, but they get it wrong sometimes too. <laughs> sometimes they're not really always nice, but it's a family that loves and cares and grows together and corrects and encourages. And I am grateful for all of these years following my God and having the family of God around me. They've nurtured me, they've grown me, they've loved me, they've protected me, they've corrected me. They've been there for me every day of my life. And that's why I'm a great believer in hope partnership, because we need each other. So that one is about parents, okay? The other thing was just about powers and authorities in this world. The authorities in this world. What is our relationship to be like towards authorities in this world? Well, fortunately, we live in a pretty good world. Um, but we have the law of the land. We have driving laws. We have property laws. We have uh, don't bully at school. We have a whole lot of zero tolerance for this. We have to pay our taxes. There's fines for violations. There's voting, and if you don't do it, you get fined. In fact, there's a lot of things that we are privileged about in our country. Privileged. Because there is authority that is, cares about your safety and protection. It's, sometimes it's so creepy these days. They're so out there with so many laws that you can't even climb a tree. <laughs> but the concern is there. They don't want accidents to happen that take people too young from this world. And because we live close together, there's protection of property, there's fines and there's violations, there's courts and all this kind of thing. We even have the privilege in this country to protest if we don't want to do something. And we normally won't get thrown into jail if we do it non-violently and within the law. We're allowed to protest. How about this? The Protestant church to which you belong is a church that protested against the established church. That's why it's called Protestant. One of the reasons. It was a protesting church. And they went about the kingdom of God being like this. They moved away. But, you know, in some places today, if you protest, it's a little bit different from here. And... Uh, what about, here's a question, what about if the state's law is opposed to my beliefs? Now, that's a big question. What if they want me to do something that is opposed to what I believe? It's a big one. It's a very big one. But the truth is, not often does it come into violation. 
There's teachers, I might, there's, there's uh, police, there's parents, there's pastors, there's my boss. What if they are demanding me to do something that, asking me to do something that it violates my belief? Well, let me tell you a story, wonderful story. One of my favourite characters in the Bible is this guy, along with some of his friends, who were growing up together in a very caring community, but there was tension all around them, a little bit like we go on the news and there's war here, war there, everything like that. And they th I think they had a personal belief that it wouldn't really ever touch them. They were young teenagers, ready to go and serve God. And they already were ready to go into the priesthood, as it was known then. And four of these teenage boys, in particular, there was a lot of others, they came from well-to-do families, they were well-educated, they were well thought of, they had no really any premonition that something bad was going to happen. They were kidnapped, they were captured, and they were taken to a foreign country. They were given new names. One of them, called Daniel, was given the name Belshazzar. Now, Bel was the name of the foreign god. So every time someone said, Belshazzar, come here, they were saying, Bel is a wonderful god. Yeah, fancy being named Let. So he lost his name. But did he lose his identity? Wait for it. And uh, his friends were together, and they were taken to what we would say higher education place, university, where they would be educated in the ways of the foreign kingdom so that they could be important people and hopefully influence their own people to be true to the new foreign power. Now, all was going well until they discovered that the food they had to eat had been sacrificed to idols. That violated a value. Now, this is what they did. They did their protest with respect. So they just said to the guy that was over them, do you mind if we just have vegetables and food that, you know, comes not from the king's place where it's gone through the whole temple process and the idols? Do you mind if we just have simple food that has not gone that way? The man says, oh, my goodness, if, 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 if they find out, I will get into trouble. That's, that's the problem in those um, societies. It's never the people there. They get into trouble too. But it's always the authorities. They've got to obey and do what is right. And so these four men said, how about you just test it for a week? See how respectful and kind they are in this moment? We'll be respectful. We'll be kind. And so uh, after seven days... They did. I'm sure they prayed because it says, these men found grace. You know that word? It was, it's, it's written favour, but it's really the word grace. Now, who's the giver of grace? It's our God. They found grace in the eyes of these authorities and they were allowed to go with their beliefs. 
and they were still in the schooling system. They still had the names of the gods. They still had to live there and learn their ways and learn a different language. And it is at about that time that the Hebrew language of the Old Testament started to be lost as an ordinary, everyday language. And so they learned another language and lost their, started to lose their other language. Daniel and his three men, three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know them as, that's their Hebrew, Hebrew names, not their new names in dedication to the gods. What I want to show by him is that his belief and his values was still something that he held on to and was not willing to compromise on in a very political, different situation. God gave them grace. But a lot of people didn't get that. And I actually want to read you a story, if that's all right. I think we've got time, have we? No idea how time's. I've been reading this book. It's a fun book. It's the uh, <laughs> most interesting book on prayer I've ever read. Living Prayerfully, A Year of Living Prayerfully, How a Curious Traveller Met the Pope, Walked on Coals, Danced with Rabbis, and Revived His Prayer Life. Okay? I'll, uh, this is my second read, but I, I wanted to read this. He went to North Korea because he'd been around to a lot of countries and he was an author, he was a follower of Jesus, he wanted to find out how other people prayed. And in North Korea, he had a um, tourist guide with him all the time. There were four of them, they each had their own tourist guide. They were not allowed to do anything by themselves. And they were there on New Year's Eve. Uh, So that evening, they said, they drove down to the big square. We walked on the square. The atmosphere was electric. They'd actually turned the lights on. We joined a crowd of over 200,000 people. Kids played. Hundreds stared at me because I was bearded and tall and Caucasian. Every building had a photo of Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il. The personality cult was crazy. I had been told stories how Kim Jong-il set the world record and hit over a dozen holes in one the very first time he'd played golf. Okay, these are the myths and stories that come. A teenager schoolgirl once drowned while attempting to rescue portraits of the leader from a flood. Our great leader, Kim Il-sung, is greater than Lincoln, Washington, and Jefferson combined. He is the eternal present, president. He is forever with us in our hearts. The fireworks were the best I ever see, had seen. No doubt the North Koreans had spent half their GDP, on, on their GDP on the impressive display. There was military music. There was idol worship. Everything was done in honour of these two past presidents. In the morning, I would be told to bow before these images. I received the wake-up call and was told, hurry up. There's a new 
years tradition that every North Korean and uh, party faithful member is obligated to perform. You go to the Palace of the Sun and you bow down to the fallen yet eternal leaders. I had learned the tradition ahead of time and tried to avoid it at all costs. I asked if I could stay behind at the hotel, but I was told it would be disrespectful. I explained to my American guide why I couldn't bow. I asked if I could stay on the bus, but I was told that would be very disrespectful. Here's how it works. Once we get inside, you must be silent. We enter the room of the great leader Kim Il-sung. We will stand in groups of four and bow at his feet. Then we will bow at his left side, and then we will bow at his right side. Then we'll go to the room of the great comrade King Jong-il, and we will do the same. Then we will bow before a statue of these two great men. Seven bows in all. I asked the Irishman who was with him what he thought I should do. Just bow, mate. If your heart's not in it, it's not a big deal. But it was a big deal for me. I wouldn't have bowed to Babylonian's golden image with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And I wouldn't have bowed to a statue of Hitler. I certainly wasn't going to bow to the Kim family. Especially since they are holding at least 50,000 members of my spiritual family in a concentration camp. There's 50,000 members of our family in a concentration camp. And they'd killed a million people over the course of their reign. I felt sick. What did he do? We arrived at the palace, joined the massive throng. There were tens of thousands of people in line. Almost everyone was in full military uniform. We walked through a giant blow dryer to clean off the dust. Following the lead of Lenin, Stalin, and Mao Zedong, North Korea has preserved Kim Il-sung's body and placed it on display in a glass coffin surrounded by a red rope. Hundreds of soldiers were in a line, and I watched as they approached in groups of four. They bowed, not just their heads, but the full Korean bow of 90 degrees. I knew that if I didn't bow, there was the outside potential of some angry army officer simply shooting me at sight. I'm just going to jump. He did go in. He did not bow. At the front, uh, let's just get there. He said, I prayed the Lord's Prayer seven times. Your kingdom come, your will be done. As it is on, in heaven, so be on earth. Forgive and be forgiven. I'd like to say that I planted seven bomb prayer prayers <laughs> in the heart of North Korea. But seriously, what other prayer could be more powerful than the prayer of Jesus? The prayer of my heart, his kingdom come, his will be done. No one hungry, everyone forgiven. Then he goes on, even in my best times, I have trouble living completely for God. But at least I know that on some very small level, I'm willing to die for him. You know, you and I don't have to go that far yet. I don't know. 
those four men who lived in Jerusalem didn't know that they would spend their adult years in a foreign land, educated in a foreign country, names changed. Daniel lived till he was 86 years of old and he was captured when he was about 18. All his life, he was faithful and so were his friends. Authority. We can do it respectfully. We can do it prayerfully. But many of our family are persecuted because of state leadership. What about pastors? <laughs> what about pastors? Should we obey them? Yes. <laughs> that was a pastor who said that. I'll ask over here. What about a pastor? Should we obey them? Yeah. All right? Yeah, all right. You know, they're human. They are set up by God and called to lead, but they are not God. They too have to walk humbly before their God, and they too need to surrender and submit to other authorities. What happens when someone takes you on? You see, we don't always get it right, but there are ways to do things. So when I speak, the Word of God actually says, you should test it out with the Word of God to see whether it's right. And I got a letter this week telling me I'd said the wrong thing. They didn't agree with me. And I thought it would be lovely to chat about this. We can disagree and still be really good friends. We can. And I said, Lord, it's okay. It's okay. I don't need to get mad about this. I don't have to feel that I've been humiliated because I will humble myself before God. And we can talk it out and be friends, but it takes two to do that. So if you've got something that you see in your pastors, there are three beautiful ones here, four actually up here. I'm not called one of those, by the way. So there's four up here. If you see inconsistency in their lives, you can call it. Okay? You can do that. But there's a way to do it with respect. If you don't like what they say, go and have a chat. Okay? Because that's the way we do it in family. Remember Lucas said his parents sat down and talked. You do that. And we will have a much better world because we can still be friends in the family and disagree. I told you I've got, had five brothers, four are still alive. One of them is a follower of Jesus. One I don't know, but I cannot afford to argue with my brothers and their siblings and families. I can't afford to do that. I want to love them. I want to pray for them. I want to have access into their lives. Okay, without violating who I am. So respect. I can't demand your respect, but I must respect you and we learn to respect each other. That's how it works with authority. What do I do if I can't respect someone? Just ask God. Say, God, I really can't respect this person. They're everything that I dislike. You talk to God about it. And then you say, but this person is made in your image. You love this person as much as you love me. 
don't know how, but you do. Okay, so you have that honest little chat about what it's like when you find you can't respect or someone you dislike or there's something like that. Just be jolly honest with God. And then you will see in the presence of God, as you wait there, he works out changes in your heart and he teaches us how to respect. One more story. Last Sunday before I came to church, I visited a friend who's just gone into transitional care because she was very ill. And I finally got out of the home. You know, you get in and you've got to have all these tests and everything. I got out. And uh, I say finally because I didn't know how to get out. <laughs> and there was a man outside, an older man. And he was in a wheelchair. And he was struggling. You could tell that he was, yeah, old and struggling. And he said, push the button. <laughs> so I pushed the button. I got out. And then he said, could you light my cigarette for me? Well, I laughed. I don't think I'd ever lit one. <laughs> I told him that. I said, I don't think you will have to show me how. Well, I've got a crummy thumb with arthritis in. So here's he and me trying hard to get this thing, and it's raining, and it's windy, and we are giggling away, having fun. <laughs> you know, the 17-year-old me wouldn't have done that. I would have condemned and thought, he shouldn't be smoking. But no. He's created in God's image. And my act of kindness has led to praying for him nearly every day this week. Anyone and everyone is made in the image of God, all created by him and for him. And he wants to have first place in our lives. He wants to have the ultimate respect. We can be honest. We can say what we feel in the presence of God. We don't have to defend God. He loves you. He cares. But he does want us to love one another well in this family of God. He wants us to make Jesus first in our lives. I'm in for it. I haven't reached Daniel's age yet, but I want to finish well like him, okay? So that right to the end, I'm known as a person who serves and loves my God and respects the church and the family of God. Let me pray for you. Thank you, Lord, for this family, your beloved family in whom you delight, the one that you love so much that you gave your life for everyone here so that they might know you and come into a beautiful relationship with you so that you could be their Lord and Master, their friend, forever friend, the God of creation living within. Thank you for who you are and who you are for each one here. And our Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that they would continue to walk humbly before you, showing deep respect for others in this world. And for Lord, for those who are not yet part of this family, we pray that there'd be deep respect for them, for those who don't like us, don't like our opinions, don't like the fact that we're followers of Jesus. Pray, Lord, that you would give us grace and mercy and love and that we would learn to walk before you, loving our neighbour with all we've got. In your name I pray. Amen.